Okay, starting up part two, episode one. Um, we've taken a, a real hard look at uh, Premier League. Let's take a look at Europe uh, and what's happening in football uh, all across the continent. And earlier today, we saw the kickoff of uh, the playoff round of Champions League. These are the teams vying to get into the group stages. Uh, 20 teams, 10 spots still available. Um, five games today, five games tomorrow. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what does come out of that. The big one today was Man United uh, playing at home at Old Trafford to Club Brugge from Belgium. And that one did not disappoint. Two wonderful, masterful goals from Memphis Depay, um, who looks every bit worth the $39 million that Louis van Gaal shelled out for him in the offseason. Um, definitely going to be a star on the rise at Old Trafford. He had not gotten off the blocks yet in the Premier League, but he opened his account in Europe with two goals today in the first half and then capped off uh, his performance with a dazzling assist uh, after there was a Marwan Fellaini sighting. Who knew? Uh, he's still around, and uh, he used that that uh, that big head of hair to score a very late goal uh, on the final whistle to give uh, Man United a 3-1 win in the Champions League, setting them up for the return tie next weekend in Bruges. Um, the only blemish uh, on that, of course, was Michael Carrick's own goal in the first half. Um, Sergio Romero, the uh, Man United goalkeeper, if you look at the replay, clearly out of position. Um, but nonetheless, United are able to escape, even though they gave up the away goal. Uh, and looking ahead to qualifying uh, in uh, next week's return tie. Elsewhere, Astana 1-0 victors over Apoel Nicosia. Sporting uh, 2-1 wins over Seska Moscow. Lazio at home 1-0 winners over Bayer Leverkusen. And Bate Borozov 1-0 uh, winners over Partizan. Tomorrow, the, uh, the key fixture is Valencia and Monaco at the Stade Louis II. Uh, that'll be one to, to definitely watch. It'll give you a, a, an early peek at Valencia before the La Liga season gets going. They could be the third team in the mix uh, between Barcelona and Real. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of looking at them as a little bit more of a dark horse, somebody that could contend, maybe even make La Liga a little bit interesting. Uh, but that's going to be the, the, the feature fixture tomorrow. Uh, but also all of these 11.45 a.m. kickoffs, FC Basel and Maccabi Tel Aviv, Celtic and Malmo in Sweden, Rapid Vienna and Shakhtar and Skandabeu and Dinamo, all starting at 11.45 return ties next week uh, in Champions League. And then we can get started uh, getting ready for group stage and marching down that road. Um, as I mentioned, La Liga did not kick off last week, kicks off in the week ahead, a lot to look forward to there. Should be another great season, battling it out between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, Barcelona, of course, on their transfer ban. Uh, Arda Turan will be there in January, but until then, they're, they're sticking with the players that they got. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to fare, how they're able to, to really pull together a rotation coming off the Champions League win, coming off a lot of their players, many of their players playing in uh, either Copa America, um, uh, or, or some of the other summer tournaments this year. So it should be an interesting start to the season. Um, and then Real Madrid, uh, a few, they, they've made a few uh, key signings, and they brought in uh, Danilo, uh, the 24-year-old from, from Porto. Um, 
in the offseason. Uh, Mateo Kovacic from Inter. The big one could be a story, actually, of a transfer going out. Kareem Benzema uh, has been linked with Arsenal, and Arsenal, obviously, desperate need for a striker, desperate need to have uh, somebody playing that number nine role, um, and Kareem Benzema would fit nicely in that system. Obviously, Benzema and Giroud playing together on the French national side. Uh, I think could be some really interesting chemistry there alongside uh, Bellerin and Coquelin and some of the other uh, French stars that, that, that they've brought into that side under uh, the Frenchman Arsene Wenger. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see uh, what happens there. But uh, La Liga does get started this weekend. You can catch all of these games on Be In Sport or Be In Sport Connect or Be In Sports on Espanol. Uh, everything kicks off Friday at 11.30 Pacific, Malaga and Sevilla. Saturday, uh, 9.30 ties, uh, Deportivo and Real Sociedad and Espanol and Hatafe. 11.30 a.m., Atletico Madrid uh, and Las Palmas. Atletico, also a team that could be in the mix. Diego Simeone is, uh, has that team raring to go again and, and, and could be at least a, a contender. I don't think they'll break through the top two. I think it's Barca or Real's year. Um, once again, but they'll be a fun team to watch. And then at 1.30, Rio Vallecano and Valencia. Sunday, um, it seems like these two teams have been playing each other for about a week and a half nonstop, but Athletic Club of Bilbao, who just won the Spanish Supercopa in a decisive 4-1 uh, aggregate win over two ties, uh, playing Barcelona at 9.30, uh, Sporting and Real Madrid at 11.30, Levante and Celta Vigo at 1, and then Real Batiste and Villarreal at 1.30. All of those games on Sunday. And then a little Monday night football for you with Granada and Ibar. Um, all of those kicking off this week. Check your local listings for time and station. Check Live Soccer TV, the app. Um, if you haven't downloaded that one yet, make sure you do. Because if, if you want to watch football, uh, it'll tell you exactly how to do it, whether it's on TV, whether you can stream it, and how you can do it. Um, so definitely check those out uh, if, if you want to get uh, a little more information on how to follow all of these great matches. Elsewhere around Europe, two other leagues have kicked off, two other major leagues. Uh, the Bundesliga with um, the, the, the major tie that I saw, um, Bayern, just an absolute deep-hansing of Hamburger SV, 5-0, four goals in the second half, two from Thomas Müller. Possibly future Manchester United striker Tomas Müller, but for now, Karl Heinz Rummenigge says uh, there is no price for him. He's staying at Bayern Munich, uh, and if that's the case, Bayern are going to be a fun team to watch. The addition of Arturo Vidal, the Chilean uh, midfielder, um, this year has really given uh, an entirely new depth uh, to that squad and uh, and, and a, a, a rejuvenation, and it's been totally fun to watch. Uh, Bayern just in uh, the, the summer and and now through week one of the Bundesliga. Um, elsewhere throughout the Bundesliga this weekend, uh, let's see, we had uh, uh, Ingolstadt uh, 1-0 victors over Mainz, Darmstadt and Hanover 96 uh, level on two goals apiece, Schalke 3-0 over Werder Bremen. Bayer Leverkusen, who went down to Lazio today, did beat Hoffenheim in the league this weekend, two goals to one. Hertha Berlin, 1-0 winners over Augsburg. And Borussia Dortmund, 4-0 victors over Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, the Sunday ties, uh, Wolfsburg, 2-1 winners over Eintracht Frankfurt. And FC Cologne, 3-1 victors over Stuttgart. 
I think if you're watching Bundesliga this year, it's just a march towards the inevitable, inevitable Bayern crowning as league champions. It remains to be seen what they can do on a European level. Um, but watch out for Wolfsburg. Whether or not they do sell Kevin De Bruyne, I hope that they don't. I think De Bruyne is a, 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 an emerging star that can that can, can build around. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what Wolfsburg can do uh, in the league. And Borussia Dortmund, too, even with the loss of their manager, Jurgen Klopp. Um, I think there's a lot there that Dortmund uh, can bring in terms of whether or not they could vie for um, a Bundesliga title. But if I'm betting, if I'm in Vegas and, I, and I'm putting money down on this, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm putting all of it on Bayern Munich. That's, you know, it's, it's got to be 1 to 25, 1 to 50 odds that they'll, that they'll take the Bundesliga. Um, nonetheless, those games now are on Fox Sports, on the Fox Sports family and networks. You can look ahead this week. Uh, you can get the full rundown on foxsports.com. Some of the main ones to look at into Hoffenheim and Bayern Munich, 6.30 a.m. Saturday morning. That, I believe, is going to be on Fox Sports 1 and definitely on the Fox Sports Go app. Worth checking out. Um, and Hamburger looks to rebound against Stuttgart at 9.30 on Saturday. Werder Bremen and Hertha Berlin get everything started Friday morning at 11.30. And uh, Wolfsburg has FC Cologne, which should be an intriguing matchup, also at 6.30 on Saturday morning. Again, all on the Fox Sports Go app, all on the Fox family of networks. Check local listings for time and station. The other league that, kicked off, that has already kicked off, the other major league, is League 1 in France. In the same way that we talk about... Uh, this being a coronation for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga, it should be the same for Paris Saint-Germain, especially bringing in Angel Di Maria. Uh, I think that gives them an enormous amount of star power between him and Ibrahimovic and, uh, and Blaise Matuidi and others in the team. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch Paris Saint-Germain to see if they can gel this year, if Laurent Blanc can, can mix that stew together and, and see where things go. Um, but nonetheless, they... Uh, they, they've gotten their campaign underway uh, fairly well, including this weekend. I got a chance to watch them. Uh, they played for about 45 minutes. Um, the, the second half was uh, a little bit of, looked like training ground. Uh, they were playing Gazalek of Ajaccio, and I got to tell you, that's a team that, um, it, it's, a, it's a great story. This is a, a, a team that was, I believe, nearly in administration, was at the bottom of the French leagues, worked their way all the way up to Ligue 1, but they're not ready for prime time in a whole lot of ways. Um, and a lot of people were comparing them to Bournemouth in, in the Premier League in that story. Bournemouth are a lot better prepared. Um, they looked, um, the, the uh, uh, Gazalek Ayazio team just absolutely looked lost playing at the Parc des Princes, um, which is too bad. And, and I think they'll find their sea legs and, you know, they'll get a win and, and a few goals, you know, underneath them and, and uh, maybe surprise a few people. But for right now, um, that's a team that, that's easy fodder for the likes of Paris Saint-Germain. And they took care of them 2-0, two early goals uh, in the first half, sat back in the second half and uh, played a possession game. Uh, elsewhere in Ligue 1, second week of, of matchups, Lille and Monaco drew at nil. Um, Bordeaux and Saint-Étienne drew at one goal apiece. Trois and Nice, three goals apiece, but a draw there. Lyon over Guingamp, uh, one and nil. Rennes over Montpellier, one and nil. Angers, another new, uh, uh, another new club in the league, uh, drew with Nantes, uh, level on no goals. And Caen, uh, one nil victors over Toulouse. 
Stade de Reims, 1-0 winners over Marseille, and Lorient and Bastia uh, drew at one goal apiece. Should be an interesting season in the French League. Again, a lot of star power on PSG. Is there, are there any other teams that can, uh, that can provide a real counterpoint to that? You know, Lyon has been there. Can, what can Marseille do? Um, that's unclear at this point. It will remain to be seen throughout the year. Uh, but PSG, nonetheless, will be a fun team to watch. Um, now we focus and we look here at home. And I've, I've said earlier that I'm not quite sure how to feel about MLS. I think they're doing better. I want to believe they're doing better. Clearly bringing in talent, the likes of Sebastian Javinko and others, um, you know, have, have really lifted the skill. And obviously New York City FC with Lampard and Pirlo and David Villa and Steven Gerrard now playing for LA Galaxy. You know, these are players on the, in the twilights of their years. Um, this has been the same old story for 20 years of MLS and the NASL before that with Pele and the New York Cosmos. You know, we get players at the end of their career. When can we make MLS a real destination for players like this? And, uh, you know, I was listening uh, to Jason Davis on, on uh, Sirius XM FC 85 earlier this week, and, you know, he really gave a, a great, you know, thoughtful... Uh, um, uh, a bit of, a bit on you know promotion and relegation, and that's something that I think we've got to begin to take into account. It's anathema to the MLS system. It is not well understood in this country, but promotion and relegation could create a whole new you know sort of bevy of interest and narrative that can happen throughout the long slog of an MLS season. There are you know meaty fixtures once every couple of weeks. I think. Having you know new blood in teams like Orlando and New York City, um, and some of the other new clubs, Atlanta and Minnesota, and whatever ends up happening with David Beckham's experiment down in Miami, I think that's all going to lend itself to it. But if you got to 40 teams, and you got to a system where there was a first division and a second division at the very least, and then you had USL and maybe NASL behind them, um, you know, bulking up the pyramid. And you could create a real sense of American soccer as a viable national and international and attractive league beyond money. Um, can create a real fan experience, you know, as, as they're beginning to do. I think there could be some there. There, I just don't think they're all the way there yet. Um, that said, it, it's it's fun to catch a game here and there. If you watched any games last weekend, I hope it was the Seattle. Uh, Orlando uh, goal fest, Seattle uh, coming out ahead 4-0 uh, in that one uh, with a couple of great goals in there. Um, and, you know, coming up, we're getting closer to, uh, we're getting a whole lot closer to uh, playoff time and, and going to have some big, uh, big ties coming up this weekend. LA Galaxy and New York City FC, noon West Coast time on Sunday. Uh, check local listings on that one. But that's going to be, uh, a real fun one to watch. Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard, you know, playing for their new clubs. Uh, you know, what what can we make of that um, in an MLS context? It'll be it'll be really interesting to watch. The one bit of news uh, also this also comes from Jason Davis on SiriusXM uh, FC. Um, Jossie Zardes, who if you've watched any of the uh, American uh, men's national team uh, over the course of the Gold Cup and 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 reaching back into the friendlies earlier in the summer. Jossie Zardes has been a real um, uh, 
a, a real incredible addition to that squad, and um, you know, has grown up and, and, and played through LA Galaxy. Apparently, is starting to receive some interest from from clubs in Belgium, which is a great developmental and entree league um, for Europe. The question now becomes, and, and Jason was talking about this if he caught his show. The question becomes: Is that the right move for an American player right now? Jurgen Klinsmann obviously has an opinion on that. He's made that well known. Um, but is it the right thing, or should we be developing players at home in MLS? Is the quality and the skill of the players good enough? I don't know that we're all, all the way there yet, and European competition is stiff, but if the goal here is to create homegrown talent, we are going to need superstar American players beyond Clint Dempsey who play here in the United States and before they go and have a career in uh, in Europe. And frankly, if with Jossie at... Um, uh, LA Galaxy now with Gerard, who he can learn an immense amount from, and now the addition of Gio Dos Santos, and you know Robbie Keane still there and, and still plugging along, having had a great career, he can learn from him too. I think there's a lot of learning that could happen there, and I'd be intrigued to see him stay there and become a star at LA Galaxy, um, especially looking forward now a couple of years when and or if LAFC does become. A, a viable team in MLS, and, and there could be a real rivalry that grows up there. Having someone with star power like Zardes that could anchor that would be great for MLS, would be great for soccer in America, and it would be great to have a real homegrown star um, learning here at home. He's getting progressively better each and every match. He's going to be a star. It's a question of whether he does it here or abroad. Frankly, I think the world is his oyster, and he's going to make a good choice. Um, and I think that's, uh, that, that's something that's definitely on the horizon. We'll see if it's in this transfer window or another where decisions get made. Uh, but he's definitely one to watch, someone to, to keep your eye on if you're keeping an eye on anybody in MLS, and, um, and, and definitely something uh, to look at going forward. Um, we've talked a lot about football. We've talked a lot about soccer, however you want to call it. I'll, I'll use them interchangeably here, um, and uh, I do the same thing with with my two young boys to make sure that they understand that it's the same thing. Um, and so they don't get caught out if they're, uh, you, you know, call it soccer in the wrong place or something. Um, but nonetheless, talked a lot about football. There's a lot of other great sports going on right now though. And we're in a world cup year for rugby. And, uh, if you're at all a fan uh, of, of that, uh, of that game, or if you're a fan of American football, Here's a great alternative that has a whole lot of strategy, a whole lot of skill, that's easy to pick up, that's got great culture behind it, that's got great, um, great athletes, and also you have the opportunity right now to bear witness to what could be you know, the, the end of a, a, an incredible run for one of the most dominant teams in any sport anywhere in the world. We're coming up to the World Cup, which starts next month in England, um, and we're getting some of the warm-up uh, matches that are happening now. And that team that's, that, that could be on the edge of, of, of a real transition and having one last big show is the All Blacks from New Zealand. If you know nothing else about rugby, you've heard of the All Blacks because they are an incredible uh, force in world sport just as of who they are. They are dominant, um, which bothers me as someone who is a fan of the South African Springboks. Um, I went to school and, and studied in, in Cape Town. Um, I love uh, South Africa. I love the South African people, and I love their rugby team. And it bothers me because they're so good, and the All Blacks are so much better right now today. 
than we can hope to be, but it's going to present great opportunities coming up at the World Cup to maybe, uh, to maybe make an upset uh, here and there. Um, but New Zealand continued their, um, their preparations for the World Cup, closing out the, their rugby championship run, which is the four major Southern Hemisphere nations that play rugby, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, Argentina. They closed out that shortened tournament uh, in preparation for the World Cup with a 41-13 to win at Eden Park in Auckland over Australia. Unfortunately, this game was not televised in the U.S. I didn't get a chance to see anything more than a highlights package. Um, but if you get a chance to, to take a look at that online, make sure you do. Um, it was Richie McCaw, their captain's final test in New Zealand. Uh, and it was an absolute sight to behold. Uh, a team that had lost a week earlier uh, at the Olympic Stadium in Sydney. Um, New Zealand bounced back with an absolutely uh, dominant win at home to set up their run into the tournament. Um, and Richie McCaw got a send-off worthy of the absolute Hall of Fame world-class player that he is. I say that as someone who's not a fan of that team. Uh, but Richie McCaw deserves every accolade that's given to him, as does Dan Carter. Uh, as does Liam Messam, as does even Sonny Bill Williams, and so many more that have come through this team um, in, in the course of the last five, ten years. Um, just absolute dominance at the pinnacle of their sport. So make sure that you um, get a chance to watch them either uh, in their preparations running up to the World Cup or the World Cup, and we'll talk about that more as we get closer. This year's Rugby World Cup, dominant Southern Hemisphere teams, uh, eager to prove themselves, Northern Hemisphere teams playing in England uh, and Wales um, should be should make some really interesting rugby. It'd be a great introduction to the sport, especially as uh, sevens rugby, which is different from fifteen man rugby, but seven man rugby will be a sport at the Olympic Games in Rio next year. Uh, it's a great um, it's a great primer on the sport as a whole, and then you can drill into sevens and get ready for what ought to be some incredibly fast paced Olympic action too. So World Cup's coming up. If you want more rugby, if you want more of that, the South African and New Zealand domestic competitions have gotten started. The ITM Cup in New Zealand, the Curry Cup in South Africa, both are really highly regarded. Both are um, uh, really fun to watch, have great histories behind them, and both are available if you're a direct TV subscriber here in the United States. Um, ITM Cup and, and Curry Cup available on channels 49 and 490. Uh, on your uh, on your DirecTV subscription, I heartily uh, uh, encourage you to check them out. Um, if you're watching ITM Cup, there is a sub competition called the Ranfurly Shield, which is uh, a little bit of a cup competition, but ongoing through the season. And you're the champion until you're not. You hold uh, the the Ranfurly Shield, or as it's colloquially colloquially rather known in New Zealand, the Log of Wood. I can't make it up. Um, the log of wood is yours until somebody challenges you and you lose. So right now, um, it's actually held by my favorite team, uh, Hawks Bay Rugby Union, the Magpies. Um, I became a fan of theirs when I went on my honeymoon in New Zealand and really loved staying in the Hawks Bay region and drinking the wine and Napier and, and Hastings and the surrounds and um, getting to see um, some of the, the rugby up close and personal. And... Um, Anyway, they're the, the current holders of the Ranfurly Shield. Uh, they are. Uh, they won uh, just this past weekend uh, to, um, to hold on to it when they beat the Northland side uh, 39 to 10. 
they will defend it again this weekend. Uh, that match is available uh, Saturday morning, 12.35 a.m. Set your TiVos or stay up late. 12.35 a.m. Saturday morning, they'll be playing Otago, which is a perennial power in New Zealand provincial rugby. Should be a cracking game. Um, other great ones this weekend, Auckland and Taranaki, Tasman and Bay of Plenty, um, both good matchups to look forward to, and Counties Manukau taking on Canterbury. That one's Sunday night at 9, or sorry, Saturday night at 9.35. It'll be Sunday uh, evening in New Zealand. Uh, but that's th- those are some great matchups as well. And on the South African side, the Curry Cup, um, you get to see some of the some players that are in the developmental process to move on up to the Springboks for after this World Cup, um, especially with uh, being a a, 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 a wannabe Cape Tonian. Uh, my team is Western Province, and they're playing their arch rivals, the Blue Bulls, this weekend. That game is at ten ten a.m. Uh, that's available on Directv uh, channel four ninety. So look it up and take a look at that. I don't know when you're going to watch all this stuff with all the great sports we got going on, but uh, if you can check it out, that ought to be a really great matchup and give you a sense of, of provincial rugby at its finest. And then, uh, getting started uh, tomorrow morning uh, here on uh, on the west coast of the United States is going to, or sorry, uh, Thursday morning rather, uh, is the final test in the Ashes series for 2015. England have already retained the Ashes. Uh, they have, uh, or rather, won the Ashes back from Australia, who have won them in Australia the last time around. Uh, but there will um, be one last match. Michael Clark, for those of you who are, are cricket fans or want to get into it, this will be Michael Clark's last competitive test match as captain of Australia, as that team is going through a bit of a transition as well. Uh, should be a great send-off at the Oval in London with England doing their victory lap, having won back the Ashes. This is a great tournament. It's been contested between England and Australia for more than 100 years. It's the absolute pinnacle of test cricket. You can sit down and, and have it on in the morning and, and, watch, uh, and, and watch it all sort of transpire in front of you. If you're a baseball fan, there's a lot to love about cricket. I, I encourage you to, to check out the Ashes. It's available on the Watch ESPN app, which is Chromecast enabled, so you can watch it like I do on your big screen, sipping your coffee. Matches start each morning for five days, starting Thursday at 3 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, If it's anything like the previous matches in this tournament, it won't be a long one. Um, England have closed out Australia in two and three days in earlier matches, which is uh, lightning quick speed in test cricket, uh, on their way to three victories to make sure that the Ashes stay in uh, England uh, before the tournament in 18 months' time. Uh, coming up again in Australia. But if you are if you want to get into cricket, if you are into it a little bit, and you want to see the absolute apex of what cricket has to offer, the fifth Ashes test starts on Thursday. Should be a real cracker. Uh, and uh, definitely one to check out on Watch ESPN. Or if you've got a VPN uh, and want to listen in, there's ways to do that through BBC iPlayer. It will be streaming, but only to UK audiences, on Radio 5 Live uh, Sports Extra. Uh, again, from 3 a.m. on the West Coast. But if you want to hear cricket the way it ought to be told to you, listen in at least for a part of the match to te- the Test Match special guys. Jonathan Agnew and Henry Blofeld and uh, so many more uh, give the most insightful sports commentary of anybody in any sport anywhere in the world. And uh, it, it'll be fun to listen to as they close out an Ashes summer 
in England. Whew. All right. I got through my whole run of show. That's a good first step. Thanks for listening. I hope uh, at least some of you have, have stuck around. I hope it was insightful. Um, and I want you to let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to hear more of. If you've got questions, um, here are the ways to get in touch with me here. You can uh, email directly at the, at, uh, the Western Stand at gmail.com. I'll be answering emails there. Follow me on Twitter at the Western Stand and follow me on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash the Western Stand. Um, would love to have your input. Would love to know what you liked and didn't like in coming weeks. I'm hoping to bring in some guests. That foreign uh, correspondent aspect we're going to have worked out by next week. Might be doing a special uh, later in this week on uh, some news that's just breaking, actually, on the American side, with Dave Dombrowski just being hired uh, to be general manager of the Boston Red Sox. Big news in baseball. Want to get some perspective on that from uh, our neighbors to the north and uh, some friends of ours watching baseball in Canada. So we might do that later in this week or on next week's podcast. But for now, this has been The View from the Western Stand. Thank you for listening. I'm Mike McGarry. We'll talk to you again soon.